welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm one of your hosts, Erin Hesse, and this fall we'll be doing things a bit differently around here on the podcast. We started a sermon series on September 10th called Substance, based on a book written by our lead pastor, Nick Gibson. Substance is about becoming oaks of righteousness in a world of vapor, and so together as a church, we're learning more about what that should look like. There are a lot of exciting things happening in conjunction with this. We've got temporary small groups meeting during the series to further discuss the book. Our regular occurring small groups will do the same thing. There's an audiobook version that you can listen to right here on the podcast. And Pastor Nick is also preaching um, the book, preaching through the book throughout all of our Sunday services. So lots of different venues. We're also going to be doing something a little bit new with the podcast during Substance. So we all know that sometimes repetition is key to really learning things, that we need to chew on an idea for longer, to think about it more, and it can really help us internalize that content and grow more. So the way that we want to help you do that with these topics is every week having a new short episode where two people from our staff team or our elder board are going to get together and talk about what really struck them from the book and from the sermon. So we're calling the mini-series Chewing on Substance, and we're really hoping that you as a listener um, will be able to hear what other people say as they uh, they talk through the ideas from the book and react to the preaching, that it will in turn help you to continue chewing on the topic, think about it more, and to process what God is teaching you in your life. For this week, our communications coordinator, John Sekatowski, and our worship director, Nicole Kyle, sat down and talked about chapters one and two, and Pastor Nick's first sermon on the series, which are on the same chapters. We hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you to continue chewing on substance. Hi everyone, welcome to Chewing on Substance. This is our first week of this little mini-series that we're doing in the Engage and Equip podcast. I'm Nicole. And I am John. And we are going to host the podcast, or this episode, for the first time. So we're excited. We hope this is helpful for you. Um, I've learned, even just in like reflecting and preparing for this episode, just how quickly I will forget about a sermon Mm -hmm. after it's Mm -hmm. preached. So this has been a really good discipline for me. So we're going to talk about uh, the first two chapters in substance and the sermon that Pastor Nick preached yesterday um, about those two chapters. So the first chapter, uh, I keep for I want to make sure I say that the correct title: "Worldliness in a Changing World." Mm-hmm. And chapter two was saying goodbye. Yes. So a quick summary of chapter one: "Worldliness in a Changing <clears throat> World." It's a lot about becoming aware that we live in a world of worldliness. Um, and how we absorb the culture of worldliness. Uh, And so sometimes we're not really aware of it. Nick uh, kind of referred to it kind of like being aware of your ethnicity. Like, I'm Mexican-American. I know I'm Mexican-American, but I don't always know what that means until I really start to think about it. Um, So what does that look like for worldliness? That's kind of that chapter. Mm -hmm. That's a really, Mm -hmm. probably really crude Uh, summary of it good enough (laughs) but (laughs) yeah two years of writing the book and I just summed it up in 30 seconds (laughs) and uh, saying goodbye is about um, okay we have to see the worldliness and then we have to say goodbye to it so how do we discern that how do we um, how do we really know what that looks like and how do we Mm -hmm. say goodbye to worldliness Mm -hmm. without saying goodbye to the world Mm -hmm. so John 
What are, just before we really dive into some more specific questions, what Mm -hmm. were some things from those chapters that stuck out to you? Nicole, do you think it'll annoy our listeners if I (laughs) hold my note sheet like this? Probably not. I think, I think the biggest things that stuck out to me in those two chapters, um, that were just things that I was like, gosh, that is just, that is so, so true, was on page eight in the book, it talks about how... Nick talks about how technology gratifies our visceral desires in constant and immediate ways. And the, the, the pull quote on the side of that page says, the magnitude of our gratifications is minimizing our lives. And I remember, I remember listening to a sermon by Piper years ago where he was talking about your heart becomes as big as your God is. And hmm. it's that same idea that when we become addicted to to phones and to, to, I know one thing during this particular part of the year that's easy for me to check all the time is how is my fantasy football team doing? <laughs> and I know um, that as those things become compulsive and as those, you know, as I'm <laughs> giving myself more to the thrill of like, ooh, I got 12 points, but he was only projected to get 10. <laughs> it's like that, that thing really shrinks. Um really shrinks our lives if that becomes an end in itself. Mm -hmm. So that really stuck out to me as well as on page 33 of the book, Pastor Nick talks about, he talks about dreams Mm -hmm. and visions. I wrote that down too. Yeah. I think that part is just so, so good because that is such a, that's such like a powerful and prevalent cultural thing that people like, I, I remember early on in like in middle school and high school, people being like, Okay, what do you like? What do you want to do when you grow up? Like, what's the what's the major you want to choose when you go to college? And like needing to nail those things down. And I remember coming into college being like, I don't really know what I want to do, but it feels like I need to choose something. So mm-hmm. I was good at math and science. So I decided that I would pursue being an engineer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a communications coordinator <laughs> here at High Point Church. Um, and I remember getting a couple years into that that degree and feeling like I was like stuck because I had attached myself to such like a concrete vision as opposed to the hard work of like improvising. Let's keep talking about that because that was a really, I think in these two chapters, the dreams part was the most significant part for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wanted to ask at some point, like, you know, how have you gotten the idea of worldliness wrong in the past and how do you want to move forward? Like, that really was the biggest part for me. Um, I have a couple excerpts that I'll, I wanted to read about the dream section. Um, so the dream section, it starts on page 33 in chapter 2. Um, and before you get to that part, Nick writes that um, he wanted to give a couple of examples of good desires gone bad. Mm-hmm. And how, because in that chapter he talks about how we need to know what we should redeem what we should reject and what we should restore. Um, those are the three, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. And and so he and here he's talking about like what are good desires that have gone bad, and that's where he starts talking about the dreams. And this this is the bottom. This is at the bottom of page thirty three. He says, "Personal dreams not forged by the gospel become calcified idols that bind our mm-hmm. personal worth to a view of ourselves stuck in situations." roles and accomplishments that almost certainly are not part of our real future. And when I read that, it was so convicting for me <laughs> because that the past three years, and I've been pretty open about sharing this with people and I shared my testimony on the podcast a few months ago, but I 
had so idolized motherhood. Hmm. Like I hmm. forever just wanted to be this really young mom. Hmm. <laughs> I wanted to have like four or five kids and be done at 30 because my mom had four kids and was done right when she turned 31. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought that was what I, that was the, to me, like I didn't dream about a wedding. I dreamt about like being pregnant mm-hmm. and having a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And um, so I read this part and I, for in our in, in my story and my husband Scott in our story of trying to start a family we we started trying to start a family we got pregnant and lost a baby and then mm. couldn't get pregnant for a long time mm. and um i remember th- having these moments where i would think to myself oh my gosh if we don't get pregnant in like the next 2 or 3 months like i i literally described it this way i felt like sand i was trying to hold on to sand mm. in my hand but it just kept like slipping through my fingers like mm. this dream mm. i even said like it's this dream that i am trying to grasp at mm. but it is just out of my reach and i can't get at it and mm. um so when i read this part i was like yes that it was my my it bound my personal worth to a view mm-hmm. of myself stuck in a situation that was not a part of my real future mm-hmm. and i i mean i was that was what it looked like for me. And so that was so, so convicting. Um, but then on page 35, he writes, um, there's a middle paragraph, the bottom of that paragraph, he writes, the deeper you go, the more the gospel will expand your imagination. Dreams and visions you cer- you currently have may fall away, but more beautiful and potentially wilder ones will emerge from a more spiritually substantial you. And I think yeah, that's, that's so yeah, and that's a lot of what Scott and I experienced in our life that like, we didn't get pregnant when we thought we were going to. And then we're like, okay, well, we've always wanted to adopt. Let's go down this adoption route. Hmm. We got all of our paperwork in. And we even thought that was the different wilder dream. Mm-hmm. And then within a month found out we were pregnant. And so like, <laughs> just a crazy experience of something we never could have imagined. We could mm-hmm. not have written that path. Mm-hmm. And that's how God wrote that path for us. And so when I held so tightly to that dream of getting pregnant and that dream of being a young mom, mm-hmm. I, it just like, it made me miserable. Yeah. But in being more imaginative and allowing God to do the story, the story of our family starting is just so much more beautiful than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. So that when it, I was thinking about how have I gotten this wrong in the past, like right there, mm-hmm. that is how I've let mm-hmm. I've let my own idols, I've I've let something good become in the place of God, and yeah. instead of learning how to let go of that and say yeah. goodbye to really my own desire, instead mm-hmm. of acknowledging God as Creator, mm-hmm. that was really convicting for me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. What um, what else? What did you find to be like? Ooh, that hit you. You need to. Think a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think there was a couple things both in the book and that Nick talked about that uh, during the sermons that I thought were, or sermon, that uh, stuck out with me, hit me, and kind of convicted me thinking about this this upcoming week. The the couple things I wrote down um, were the ideas of interest. So Nick talked about how like worldliness is boring <laughs> and godliness is interesting mm-hmm. and yeah right and yeah. that was really convicting to me because i've i don't know you hear all the time like i i've had a lot of conversations with people who are who are not christians who mm-hmm. you know will say this sort of 
uh, kind of this callous thing, but that reveals something that said, well, they'll say like, you know, if I'm going to hell, at least there'll be interesting people there. Yeah. Which is so interesting that, I don't know, it was convicting to me thinking about in my own life, are there ways that like I have let quote unquote like being righteous or like being good make me boring mm-hmm. like make to like avoiding things more than like pursuing something yeah um so like avoiding you know avoiding going out and partying but like not pursuing anything in its place so just sure. like hanging out at my house right you know and so i think that was a really convicting thing to me is what are the ways that i have like haven't engaged and need to engage in like the interesting things of being godly and the mm-hmm. deeper things of, yeah, I don't know, being an interested person. Yeah. And even too, I think like that's a good thing for me to hear and think more about that like, I t- how much do I tend to believe that? How much do mm-hmm. I, how much do I tend to believe that like when people say at least there would be interesting people in hell or like the idea of, oh, I don't want to be a Christian because I have to give up all the fun things in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to admit that sometimes I believe that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it would be more fun to, like, I don't know, not care about. Like, Nick talked about this in the in his sermon when he was he showed the the ad for Mammon. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. enjoy a guilt free life. Right. <laughs> Come to Mammon. Right. Like, yeah, it's like I I need my mind to be transformed and renewed to see. How, just how false that is, mm-hmm. which I really think gets to the idea of how worldliness is something we absorb and mm-hmm. it feels like it knows us. Right, right. That it feels like, yeah, that feels cozy and comfortable and familiar. Right. And right. we have to retrain our minds to actually see that that's a lie mm-hmm. that just actually leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to life. Giving into mammon doesn't mm-hmm. lead to happiness and joy the way we think that it will. And, uh, yeah, so that's a convicting thought for me. I'm trying to remember if this was in these chapters. I know you've, you've read the whole thing. You don't want to give it away. Right. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to give any too many. So, yeah, I think, I mean, this is, this is a similar idea that, that teaser will be throughout the whole book. <laughs> um, But in the end of chapter one, he says, Substantive godliness is not the denial of desire, but the transformation of our desires into their most substantive, vibrant, and beautiful forms. And I think that really gets at what you're saying, that it's like, it's so, yeah, that's, that's a hard, that can be a hard thing to, like, really grapple with and grasp, that, like, the things we're going at are like truer and deeper and better and more interesting and are the things in their like truest, most vibrant, most fun, most amazing forms. Um, And I think that can be, that can be an easy thing to miss when, because worldliness focuses on experience, Mm -hmm. right? Because worldliness is focused on, um, you know, did I go to the, the really fun party? Did I get... You know, did I go to that great restaurant with my cool friends? Did mm-hmm. I, whatever. Um, it can be so experience focused. And the things that are true about godliness are not experiences, but our, our depth, our, I don't know. Character. And, right, character, yeah. things like that. It's Yeah. It can be so easy to, yeah, like 
like Pastor Nick was saying during the sermons, that it can feel like that worldliness is speaking sort of our language. Yeah. That it's the that it's the experience that's the interesting thing. That it's the that fun thing I got to do as opposed to like right. that thing I got to commit to, that thing I got to Or that person I got to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that that I mean that reminds me of the dream part too. Because mm-hmm. so so many of our dreams are about things that we get to do in mm-hmm. life instead of who we want to be. Right. Right. Like be getting to have kids at a young age so that, you know, later in life, I don't have kids in my house. Right, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the appeal. <laughs> Versus, like, I want to be a person who is has good character, mm-hmm. deep character, mm-hmm. and I want to be the type of person who is a good mom to mm-hmm. a bunch of children who need to be mm-hmm. loved, you know? And how that's, that's like a better thing. Yeah. That's a better thing. That's a deeper thing. That's a more beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I know, yeah, Nicole wrote these questions for us. So <laughs> question number four talks about uh, how you got an idea, this idea wrong in the past. And I think a way particularly with that like experience, experience-focused worldliness, a way that I've gotten that in the past in, in like a, you know, in a way that I thought I was pursuing God, but was actually really falling into a trap of worldliness was a couple years ago, Nick had a sermon where he talked about how um, there's this culture in Christianity that produces these Jesus high heroin addicts Mm. that people are going after this, um, that Christians are going after this next spiritual high, this next like you know, really this next like big conference that gets mm-hmm. them pumped up, that this they go for this next really great worship experience that mm-hmm. gets them kind of back on the back on the train. And I remember I remember early on when being a Christian that I I just so pursued that like Jesus high. Yeah. You know, where I was pursuing yep. like the okay, I gotta have this really great worship experience. I gotta have this I gotta hear this really great message and mm-hmm. that'll like I gotta just like get myself re pumped up. And that can like carry me on to the next one. Right, and that can carry me hit me on to the next one. And it was just this like stringing together experiences that was like really exciting initially, but just like a couple months in, I remember so I remember I became a believer. And was just like stringing together these Jesus experiences. And like six months into being a Christian, I was like, what happened? Like (laughs) something is wrong. Something is missing. Like I feel so bored now. Like I feel like it feels like this amazing stuff was happening at the beginning. And now I'm like not being changed anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's still so easy for me to fall into. To like want to like... Because it's like, it's quicker, you know, mm-hmm. like to want, just like want an experience, want to like get the, the Jesus high back yeah. and how in the end that left me feeling, it's ex- fickle. right, it's fickle. Yeah. And it left mm-hmm. me feeling exactly what Jesus says in, in Matthew six, when he's talking, or in uh, Mark four, when he's talking about the four soils, it left mm-hmm. me feeling choked mm-hmm. and like, what is going on with yeah. my faith? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's an. It's another way that worldliness can creep into our mm-hmm. lives when we don't, and we don't see it. Like mm-hmm. if we're not, mm-hmm. if we're not discerning, if we're not really, really careful mm-hmm. to see it in our lives, it can creep into every aspect of right. our lives. I was thinking about this when I was just preparing for us talking about this. I think the idea of discernment in chapter two is, 
I mean, it's really important for everybody, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I just was thinking a lot about college students. Mm-hmm. I used to work with college students. My husband and I were we were on staff with a campus ministry, and mm-hmm. I just was thinking about like so in John seventeen. Um, Jesus is talking about how just how he was sent into the world. He is sending his disciples into the world. Mm -hmm. So not only are we in the world, we are sent into Mm -hmm. the world. And especially with that in mind, we have to be able to discern between what is of God and what is not. Mm -hmm. What is worldliness? What is godliness? Mm -hmm. And where is it creeping in? Because otherwise... Five years go by, especially for college students right after they graduate mm-hmm. from college when mm-hmm. they aren't having those Jesus highs anymore yeah. and they're experiencing real life for the first time yeah. and they realize it's a lot more mundane than college was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, where is that creeping in? And, mm-hmm. and do, I have, do I have the ability to discern mm-hmm. the way that I need to be able to discern? Mm-hmm. And then like, can you, can you be fully into the world and experiencing and engaging in ministry with other people and like building these relationships with your co-workers who used to be your classmates mm-hmm. and all these things without letting worldliness creep in so that you really can be a light in the world, mm-hmm. a city on a hill, the salt of the earth, you know, mm-hmm. and those, I, so I just had, I was thinking a lot. So any college students who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but discernment, like that's, it's really it's really crucial. And I think yeah. I'm seeing, even for me, like I work in a church, I work mostly with Christians mm-hmm. and I'm surrounded with Christians, but I'm seeing how it's really important for me to still be able to mm-hmm. s- like to have that discernment yeah. mentality of yeah. where is worldliness creeping in. Yeah. So, um, we really wanted to keep these short, these little episodes. We've got 30 seconds left. Any last brilliant thoughts? Uh Oh, <laughs> Or not brilliant. Well, I mean, I just, yeah, I I loved the point that you talked about, that Nick made, about worldliness with the discernment thing. It's like worldliness is like an ethnicity. That it's it's so, it can be so hard to see because it can just kind of color everything. And that's why discernment is so important. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. I I totally agree with that. I wish we could talk for longer, but we're just going to keep this short. So we hope that this helps you chew a little bit more on these thoughts. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's so gross. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye.